Welcome to today's episode of Retail Initiative. This is part two in a three-part series about the three core ingredients of online success. So I'm going to cue the theme. Uh, honestly, this stuff, what I'm going to talk about today, I really do believe might be the most important thing that I teach. Uh, so stick around. Can't wait. If you're listening, we're going to cue the theme. If you're watching, we're going to dive right in. So see you on the other side. The rules of retail are changing. One by one, corporate retailers are closing their doors and some call it the death of retail. But those rules never apply to independent retailers like us. We're writing our own rules. We're here to answer the questions about how to grow your business, stay competitive, and still have a life. I'm Josh Orr and this is the Retail Initiative Podcast. All right, so let's dive in. So last week, we introduced this idea of the three core ingredients. What does it take to succeed online? And if you've listened to me before, I've used language like that a lot. And I typically am talking about uh, driving traffic, getting more people to your site, increasing conversion, offering an incredible experience, and retention. Not just getting the first purchase, but the second, the third, the fourth. And those are, are like that's the framework. That's the thing. Um, and if you really want to succeed online, you focus on those three. But to a degree, like that is a mixture of tactical and strategic. But I talk a lot about the idea that there are three levels of the way that we operate. There are tactics, the things that we do. Where do we click and what do we publish? Behind that is a strategy. How do like in general, how does our brand engage our customer? But then behind that are principles. Why we do what we do. And the the traffic conversion and retention is is a hybrid of strategy and tactics but what are the principles that guide it and how do we start to build those out and i think from there is these three core pieces so last week i talked about you as the entrepreneur and i asked this question and i want to ask it again where do you want to be three years from now where do you see your business now there are two sides to defining the success there is the financial side. What's your revenue look like? What's your profit look like? What are you taking home? And what does that mean for you? What impact will that have on your life? And two, what does fulfillment mean? What is fulfilling for you personally? Because financial success without fulfillment is never going to be enough, ever. And so how do we start to define that? Because if we can define it, we can reverse engineer what we want our life and our business to look like. But here's the question about our business three years from now. Let's think about our goal, what we want, and then what team size does that require? How are we advertising? How are we delegating? What are you doing versus what is your team doing? And are you, as you are today, capable of running that business? I think most of us, including myself, would answer no. Um, if I look at the Josh of three years ago, I would implode my business today. As we're doing uh, conversion-centric design and taking people through this incredible program around gaining around brick-and-mortar retailers, gaining traction online through redoing their sites or elevating their existing sites and then creating a marketing and operations plan, I would implode that, guaranteed. And yes, I did just kind of subtly drop what we do. Uh, if you're interested in the show notes, there's a link. We can talk about it. But that's not why I'm here today. Um, and so the, the question that I presented was, where do you want to be? Are you capable of getting there? 
or are you capable of operating that business? And then I shared some beliefs and principles around elevating yourself, elevating your mindset to be the person that is capable of running that. Because if we can adopt the mindset and the way of thinking of a better future version of ourselves, then I think that we can kind of shortcut getting to our goals way faster. So that's the recap. If you didn't listen to that episode, I would definitely go back. Um, but today I want to talk about your perfect customer. Now, if you think about a storefront, uh, think about when you walk into a store, what is awesome? You typically get greeted, you feel it, you look around, you see things, you might smell things, and that is all designed to make you feel something. Now, think about a store that you recently went to. They probably greeted you and you felt a certain way, and what did you feel? If you were their ideal customer, of course, you probably felt welcomed. I think that's where most of us go. But deeper than that, we want people to feel like they're in the right place. And in a store, a lot, honestly, a lot of us are really talented people. We're really good at making literally anyone feel welcome. You could serve girls in their younger 20s and an old man walks in and your personality is good enough. Like you are good, talented enough at what you do that you could make them feel like they're in the right place. It's crazy how we're able to do that. But online, that's a little harder. Because our brain is wired to walk into a room and know I'm in the right place or I'm not. Like I don't, I either do belong in this room or I don't belong in this room. And when we land on a site, our brains make that decision in less than a second. And we either click that back button or we are like, yeah, this is for me. And we stick around. And this is one of the core problems that people make online is they don't build that connection. And the way to do that starts with identifying your perfect customer. And I literally do mean like create a character who is one perfect customer. And there, and this is related to their demographics, their age, their income, but we also want to get deeper into that. So when I want to take you through really two sides to this, I want to introduce you to the framework that we take our clients through. And then I want to share something that we teach in manifest that really helps you start to understand who that is. So the reason, first off, just to, to explain, because I know some people, when I say one perfect customer, they're like, well, I serve moms and daughters. Like, I don't just serve one. We have multiple people. And here's where I would make the case um, that, like, let's use the mom and daughter analogy. Most of the time, we don't actually serve moms and daughters. We serve the mom, and the daughter is also able to find things. Or we serve the daughter, and the mom is also able to find things. But instead of trying to buy for a 25-year-old and a 55-year-old, if we could acknowledge like, hey, you know what? Our customer probably is actually in their mid-30s. She's a mom. She has little kids. She this, 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 and this. If we can identify that, that impacts our marketing, our buying. And we can be something incredible for a certain person rather than trying to be a lot of things, but really only mildly being able to solve a problem for a lot of people. So I would much rather always lean towards, I'm going to really help this small group of people. Uh, the term that you might have heard is called the riches are in the niches. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's counterintuitive. You think by serving more people that you would grow, but actually by niching down more and more and more and more, we then become the absolute place that people like that want to go to. And so when someone lands and they immediately are like, oh my gosh, I didn't think that a store exists that was made for me, but look, here it is. Like this thing was literally made for me. 
you now have a raving fan. You have someone who is going to be your most loyal fan because you were made for them. So there are two sides to this. The first is the process that we take our clients through, and it's three parts. It is, first, we want to know who are they? This is their demographics. This is basic stuff, their age, their income, their marital status. And that starts to help us understand, like, who should we have modeling or um, what should our imagery on our site look like? Then we go one level deeper and we say, how do they shop for what you sell? What questions do they ask? How do they talk about it? Um, what things are they looking for? Is it, are they trend-based or are they comfort-based? Or what things are they thinking about when they buy what you sell? And then the, the deeper level is kind of their deeper desires, their hopes and their fears. And that starts to impact all of your marketing language. When you're, you're doing content for your site, understanding their deeper desires helps us do that. So how do we really start to understand who this person is? Uh, so we in Manifest, my friend Tara and I created a framework. Uh, it's an acronym. Uh, if you're taking notes, I would recommend getting those out. So the acronym is DEVELOP. Um, and so I want to take you through it. And this exercise is designed to go through really on a regular basis to continue to tune in to your customer. Understanding your customer is never a one-time exercise. It's something that we're constantly thinking about. Next week, we're going to talk about the relationship between your brand and your customer. And think of it almost like a friendship or a marriage. You don't meet a friend and learn 10 things about them and then move on and never learn about them. That relationship continues to grow and to foster. And so that's what this exercise is for. So the first thing is demographics, their age, their income, their marital status. Do they have kids? What do, do they work? Do they not work? Do they work at home? Like what, is it, what do these things look like for them? And these are just objective facts. Then we get one layer, one layer deeper and we get to ecosystem. Ecosystem is like just what does their world look like? When they open Instagram, what do they see? What accounts are they following? Uh, when they open Facebook, what do they see? What kind of stuff are they interacting with? Do they read blogs? If so, what blogs? Do they listen to podcasts? If so, what podcasts? What news source do they watch? What Or do they even watch the news? Um, I talked to someone the other day who was like telling me that they were concerned about the economy, but she didn't know if her customer was concerned about the economy. And I was like, okay, well, what accounts do they follow? And we went and looked at the accounts and a lot of the accounts were talking about the economy. So I was like, look, if their world is talking about it a lot, they probably are concerned. But if you go to like high end, um, high end st stuff that's more affluent, you're not going to see it about, see it a lot because there's less concern in that market. So if we get in their ecosystem, we can even start to understand what their fears are, which we're going to get to. So the ecosystem, this is important. I joke that if your customer is a different age than you, um, you even want to listen to their music because like, I, you should be able to open their Spotify and guess what, their, what the curated playlists are. We want to be so in tune with their world that we know all that's going on. Uh, our brand's going to have to be best friends with them. And so we need to understand who they are. I think of it like, you know, this is especially true if your customer is different from you. Um, think of it like a parent with a teenager and desperately wants that great relationship with the teenager. Guess what? They're going to go to the concerts with them. They're going to do these things they may not have normally done because they want that relationship. It's the same thing. We want that relationship. And so we're going to put ourselves in their world. Next is values. 
Values are these deeper beliefs that guide everything that we do. And I think that there are two types of values. There are what I would call aspirational values. These are the values that we all typically say that we have, like faith, family. Um, you might start to put some virtues in there, like courage or wisdom or temperance, you name it. I'm big into stoicism, so you're going to hear some of those things. And then there are the values that we actually live out. So like in college, for example, I would have said faith and family, but my life would have said that I really it was like friends and enjoying like having a good time. That was the values I lived out. And we want to understand both of these because our marketing can speak to it. Um, a great example of where you see these combined is, have you ever seen those little tea towels that say, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. That is a aspirational value, their faith, with a lived out value that, you know, we drop an S word from time to time, or maybe an F-bomb. No judgment, I do. It is what it is. I try not to on the show. I don't know if I have or not. Um, but anyway, we want to understand what that is because we can speak to it. Then we get a layer deeper and we get to their status. The, the, on the acronym, this is elevate. What elevates their status? Now, a lot of us think that status is an affluence thing. It's related to wealth, but status means something different to everyone. So for example, with my friend group and my wife's friends, um, within my friend group, it is the typical stuff, cars, watches, um, how nice your clothes are. Within my wife's, it's how cute clothes are. They don't really care about brand, but handbags are a thing. But weirdly within her friends, and I don't understand this, like the minivan was a status thing. It showed what type of mom you are. And so her minivan is a status, is a elevation of status over not having a minivan. And so we have to understand what does actually what is actually elevating their status mean? Because everyone wants that elevated and your brand is one of the core means to them elevating their status. Next, language. How do they talk? A lot of times we write copy and we write our social posts like we talk, but how do they talk? How do they complain about things? How do they brag? to their friends, if they were to text a friend about the dress that they bought from you, how would they describe it? When we can understand their language, that impacts our emails, our social posts, our co product descriptions, uh, our headlines, all of these things when we can start to use their terminology. So for example, let's talk my world. I market to retailers. But here's the thing I started to learn when I started talking to retailers is most retailers don't identify with the retail industry. They identify with the type of retailer that they are, that they work in the outdoor industry. They work in the boutique industry. They're in the pet industry. Uh, the, the identity is not with retail. The identity is with the industry that they're in. And so I had to, to understand that to use language that speaks to that. So for you, what could that be? Next, we get to two sides here of really the same coin. One is opportunities. What are their hopes and goals about the future? There are two sides to this. There's short-term. What are their short-term goals for their, this could be like, hey, they, their short-term goals are keeping up with the Joneses. Um, they want to look great. They want to be in shape. They want to still have a good relationship with their spouse, and they want to keep a sense of independence. But what are their long-term goals? Their long-term goals could be wealth, um, a second home, uh, still like having a healthy marriage when their kids move out of the house. 
whatever those things might be, we want to understand both of them because all of marketing pushes towards pleasure, pushes towards our goals, or it pulls away from failure or pain. I know I'm kind of like getting deep here. And honestly, this is the stuff that we dive deep into in paid content and I'm putting it out for free. Tara, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. I hope that this is okay, but I want to add a ton of value to people that show up here. And then the last one, pain and pleasure. It's two Ps, but it's not develop with two Ps. It's just, we're just going to combine them into one P because, well, it's my podcast and I get to. So um, pain and pleasure. Now we want to identify what does pain and pleasure mean to your customer? This is what are they scared of? What are they scared of? What are they trying to avoid? Where does pleasure come from for them? Some of this is related to status. Um, but I know a lot of us may be thinking, well, pain and pleasure is pain and pleasure. But is it? Think about like a mountain and beach vacation. I went on a vacation with um, with another couple uh, that had kids my kids' age this summer. We were in Colorado, amazing couple, like some of our best friends in the world. Um, but my wife grew up in a family that like when they vacation, they don't do beaches. They do like they're like when I go over to their house on a Saturday, I have to pack for like a nice dinner, a workout, a hike. You just you just never know with them. They're all stupid in shape and it's ridiculous. And when we go to Colorado, it's a hike in the morning, a hike in the afternoon, a stroll through town in the evening. And our friends were like, well, could we maybe like do a Monday hike and a Thursday hike um, and then just kind of chill the rest of the time? Pain and pleasure look different. To the person who wants to sit on a beach and read a book, that mountain trip with a bunch of hikes is miserable. But to the person who loves the hikes and the mountains, Laying on the beach all day and reading books sounds miserable to them. So we want to understand pain and pleasure because that's going to help us. Like, let's say we have that mountain person. Well, we don't want to use copy that's like related to sitting on the beach and doing nothing. Um, so we can start to create this persona around these pieces. And this is a acronym to go through on a regular basis. But by understanding who this one perfect person is, we can design our site, plan our social, plan our emails, plan our buying around that. And I believe that this is the single most important thing that a, a, a retail business can go through in transformation. And I have seen it now in countless bus businesses where they see their business as like, there's before we understood our customer and after we understood our customer. And I think that the, what I just shared with you could really be one of the most impactful things that you can do. So uh, if you didn't take notes, I would go back through, listen. I think this stuff is going to be so good for you. Um, next week, we're going to dive into the brand side of this and what is the relationship your brand has with your perfect customer. Um, so that's it. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode or if you enjoy this podcast, um, if you could leave a review, that is so helpful for us. Uh, it helps us get in front of more people uh, and share this very important message with as many people as possible. Uh, and then if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can hit me up at Retail Josh. Say hello. I actually love hearing from you, hearing what you think. Uh, otherwise, I will see you next week.